Hi, everyone. Welcome to Doc to Doc episode 21. We're so excited to present uh, today a continuation of our sugar series. So this is episode part two of uh, sugar. Today, we'll talk about hemoglobin A1C and continuous glucose monitoring. We'll mention a couple other topics as well. So um, if uh, just a little little intro here, uh, if you uh, if you like our videos, please uh, hit the hit the like button and uh, be sure to subscribe so you hear about all our future episodes. And uh, without further ado, I'll kick it over to I'll, I'll pass it over to Abbas to uh, kick it off. Hello, everybody. Um, the on the last episode we discussed about the history of the sugar. Um, the, as uh, we mentioned previously, the sugar was around about four thousand BC, and when it got crystallized, about two thousand five hundred. Um, that's where the export of the sugar from India to Middle East, China has developed. Uh, during the initial phase, mostly this was used as medicine until, um, uh, but uh, maybe um, uh, eight, nine hundred years ago, when in the, um, through the Moorish, as then uh, uh, other math came to Europe, and uh, and then uh, as uh, 1600, when the new world was. Uh, discovered the sugar was brought to um, Caribbean as well as Brazil uh, and that was one of the main uh, unfortunate uh, force of uh, slavery and um, uh, since then the sugar, the sugar has become is, um, a household in uh, most of the houses and for the past uh, couple hundred years the sugar was also produced from beets um, and for past uh, uh, 80 85 years from uh, uh, corn high fructose uh, corn syrup and um, the consumption has gradually has increased from 1,700, about two pounds per person uh, in the United States, to 1,800, about nine pounds. And today we consume um, uh, more than 150 pounds of uh, sugar um, uh, per year in the uh, United States. Due to high uh, consumption of the sugar, multiple medical problems has uh, arisen, including um, uh, obesity, diabetes, um, cancer. Uh, heart disease, hypertension, fatty liver, um, uh, and some people live with dementia, and many other medical problems has arise um, from that. So, so we know there is um, abundant hidden sugar in most uh, uh, dietary uh, uh, meals that we take, particularly um, processed food and fast food. So today we're going to be focusing on now we know about that how we measure the sugar. There's many. Uh, methodology that uh, how to measure the sugar and this way you know um, uh, personally be in charge of your own um, sugar as well as uh, uh, you know how to monitor uh, your um, previous as well as uh, present uh, sugar. So Rob will go through some of this uh, uh, fascinating uh, test and then uh, uh, we'll uh, continue with uh, uh, conclusion at the end. Yeah, thanks Abbas for that summary and yeah, the measurement of glu of glucose in the the blood is actually a pretty major medical advance. Um, and uh, and uh, years ago, it was a major endeavor to measure someone's uh, glucose. You needed an instrument the size of a refrigerator. It cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was quite a big uh, big deal. But now, as you'll see here in a few minutes, you you can actually do it at home, either with a glucometer. Little prick of the finger, or uh, something called the continuous glucose monitor, which I'm wearing today, and uh, see if you can see it here. It's a little 
little device that you can kind of it's kind of it's covered right now it's, it's got a cover on it but that's a continuous glucose monitor that i wear uh just to track my blood glucose and we'll talk about why i do that and uh you know what what i've learned uh about that obviously consult your own physician for advice if you're thinking about a continuous glucose monitor but these uh, devices are probably going to be uh, over the counter within with probably within the next year or so we're expecting these devices to be available so you'll be able to go into a pharmacy or go into amazon and just simply buy them and so uh, that'll make it a lot easier to measure these um uh, measured glucose and also other metabolites like lactate and other other things are going to be measurable as well in the not too distant future so um and the big one, of course, is uh, Apple's coming up with a with transdermal glucose monitoring, which has been which is actually in existence. It actually does work. Where you'll, um, someday we suspect that'll be integrated into Apple Watch, where we'll be able to measure um, glucose on the um, on the watch, so you won't even need to even prick yourself uh, to to measure. But so what is, what is this? Uh, you'll hear this term hemoglobin A one C HbA one C. Uh, this is uh, you'll hear you'll we'll say this term probably a couple, a couple dozen times in today's talk. And what is it? Why are we talking about it? What's what's the big deal about this? Why is your doctor talking about it? Why is why why is he or she measuring it at least yearly uh, for your physical? So what this is is something called glycated hemoglobin. So it turns out that monosaccharides or most sugars uh, like fructose and other sugars attached to hemoglobin, uh, the red blood, red blood cell, ox, that's what carries oxygen in the red blood cells. And actually sugar, um, when it's floating around in the bloodstream, attaches to this, um, to this hemoglobin. Uh, it's, uh, it's very common. Glucose actually does not attach so much to the hemoglobin, but some of it does. It's, uh, it's not an enzyme process. It's actually just, it's, it's actually just, um, it's linked, but it's not an enzymatic reaction. It's actually just, it's actually just bound to the hemoglobin and it's what's called glycated hemoglobin. And uh, it was initially discovered in the 1950s and actually further characterized in the late 1960s when it was linked to diabetes. And as um, Abbas told me a few minutes ago, an Iranian gentleman um, and uh uh, discovered it, and uh, that was a, a very key discovery in medicine, because uh, later on it was discovered that um, this actually serves as a about a three month or ninety day moving average of one's uh, glucose levels. So you can actually measure this percentage of hemoglobin A one C in the blood, and actually get a pretty good idea. It's not perfect, but a pretty good idea. Of someone's blood glucose. So as the blood glucose goes up, the A1C goes up. And uh, it's taken us, um, took about, what, about 40-ish years after the initial discovery to, uh, to that we're now actually defining uh, diabetes as an elevated hemoglobin A1C of 6.5% or higher. Uh, 5.7 to 6.5 is pre-diabetes or predisposition to diabetes. And um, these values are a little bit different for everybody. They're, they're not exact, uh, so it's uh, so it's it's again it's a, it's a it's a it's a gauge. It's kind of like the a, a instrument on your car. It's not an exact, precise, uh, but it's a pretty good idea. 
there is some ethnic variation in these values. So I was looking up, looking this up, and it looks like values do tend to run higher in um, in Asians and in, um, in in blacks. So we tend to see levels in the maybe about 0.2% higher in Asians and blacks. So it's, 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 it's uh, interesting. So again, it's not, not a perfect, um, but it's a pretty, pretty good gauge of, of the glucose levels. And also interestingly, if someone has an abnormal hemoglobin, so if you are an individual who has a, has a, a hemoglobin variant, your A1C could be way, way off. And so this is something that is kind of a, something I see occasionally in my practice in hematology, but we'll see uh, individuals. Uh, and I, I've seen a few patients over the years were referred for an elevated or in red papers about these individuals, they're referred for an elevated A1C, but they're not diabetic. And uh, sometimes, sometimes they're placed on diabetic medication then they become hypoglycemic. They have a low glucose uh, level. They get sick from the hypoglycemia, and their their doctor says, "Why aren't you know what what's going on? Um, you know why aren't you taking your medicine? Uh, I gave you this medicine. Why aren't you taking it?" The patient is taking the medicine, but it turns out they have a a variant hemoglobin. So that's a rare situation, but uh, it does. Yeah, and also, has... people with uh, sickle cell and other anemia can also be falsely. Uh, obscure hemoglobin A1C, that, right? That, that is true. Yes, the A1C can be a little bit off in those in, in individuals with a because the, he, he, sickle cell is a it's a ver another variant hemoglobin hemoglobin S, and uh, that is uh, can also cause a little bit variation in the A1C as well. So uh, individuals with variant hemoglobins, we tend to measure the glucose values over time. That tends to be a very convenient, a, a, a more accurate way to see what, if they're actually diabetic or not. Um, we may not use the A1C or just use the A1C as a data point, but not rely on it as much as a, to make a full diagnosis of diabetes. The um, One of the best ways to actually diagnose diabetes is the two-hour glucose uh, challenge where you actually drink a, it's like a soda or it's a, it's a fixed amount of glucose. Say for example, um, it's, I think it's like 200 milligrams, 200 milligrams of glucose. It's, it's a good dose of uh, glucose. I don't quote me on the amount, but it's a, it's a dose of glucose. You drink it and then measure the, uh, the glucose, uh, after that at, at certain fixed intervals, typically two hours after the, after the glucose is, uh, is given. And, uh, I think it's 50, might be like 50 grams of glucose, it might be about 50 grams of glucose right after, and then it's, and then that's actually one of the standard ways to measure di um, and diagnose uh, diabetes. So in individuals, individuals where the A1C is not accurate or is completely erroneous, then uh, the the glucose challenge test can be, can be used. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about continuous glucose monitoring. Abbas, anything before I jump into that, anything, anything to add? No, that's in the glucose challenge given routinely to pregnant women for preeclampsia. So, so another thing, just the daily, just basic glucose um, sugar. The simple thing that has been done from is is, uh, is by glucometer, and these days they are available in most house. But this new continuous that you uh, talk about, I think that's the future and uh, the best way to to know what your sugar is. And um, so, no, go ahead. I think that's. Uh, I think so far so good. 
Okay, so let's talk about the glucometer just to get started and for comparison purposes. So glucometer is uh, you take your hand, your fingers, and you prick them uh, with a little device called a lancet and uh, get a little drop of blood and then put it on a test strip and plug it into a machine. And um, that uses um, light to then measure the uh, glucose uh, value in that sample. And um, that uh, that value, they're pretty accurate, uh, those values uh, within a certain range, about, from about 50 to several hundred, you can make, get a pretty good value. Once you're out of range, then you have to get a, a blood or a serum glucose uh, value. That's the traditional way to uh, test blood, blood sugar. And uh, that's uh, the, the issue with it is it's intermittent. And so typically it was done before meals and at other times when someone wants to check, but obviously you can't, you can only do it maybe, maybe 10, maybe five, 10 times a day. Otherwise your fingers are going to be pretty, pretty painful. And you're not going to be too happy about pricking your finger every, every, uh, you know, a couple hours. So, uh, so technology has been developed um, to, to look at what's called interstitial glucose. So this is glucose in the fluid uh, surrounding muscle cells. And there's a little, basically a little filament. I brought my, this is the applicator for a continuous glucose measuring uh, device. You can kind of see it here. It's a little bit, um, so it's, this is the device that you use to, to insert the the filament for continuous glucose monitoring. This is a company called Dexcom. And basically what happens is you put this device on the arm, say for example, like this, and then push the button. And then this, it, it applies a, uh, a continuous glucose monitor filament into your arm can be used on the, on the in the, um, you put it in the um, tricep area or in the abdomen. And this little filament just sits in the, in the muscle. And then you put a trans, you apply a transmitter to that sensor, and then it can it just directly goes to your phone. And then you can get continuous data every couple of minutes. It'll, it'll uh, let you know what your, what the glucose value is. And so this has been something that can be used uh, traditionally for type one diabetics. Those are individuals who produce no insulin. And so they will need to uh, to monitor their blood glucose very closely and administer insulin to themselves. Uh, can also be used with an insulin pump. So that now the uh, the apps can be tied into the insulin pump software. And so you can actually program your insulin pump to, if you're eating, there's a glucose spike, the pump can then administer the insulin immediately. It's kind of simulating a pancreas. It's pretty cool. It's uh, And definitely for type 1 diabetics, they can get very tight control of their blood glucose, which is really, a, I mean, that's a major advance for people with with diabetes. Um, and so that's something that is now available for, for individuals. Uh, also, individuals who uh, have uh, type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes like myself who have, um, you know, have a, I have an A1C of currently 5.9. And so I'm working to try to get this level, level down and, um, to really study the effect of certain meals and foods and how to, and the timing of meals, how to, how, it's really interesting. And I'll, I'll show, I'll show the app here in a second. We can share it and see, see what, uh, see what, what, what my data is for today. So, Rob, um, 
in glucometer, I know if it's more than 400, it is inaccurate. With this one, is there any limitation that when sugar goes high, is there any discrepancy um, between the, the sugar and the monitor? Has that been any report on that? I, 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 I'm not sure about that. I can tell you that the range um, on, on the app goes from about 50 to 400. I believe okay. it's accurate within that yeah, range, but out, out of that range, it's uh, it's I don't I don't think it's accurate anymore. Also, it's uh, we're not measuring serum glucose with this. It's interstitial glucose, it, it which closely tracks serum glucose, but it's not exactly the same thing. Okay. Okay. So this is the what's called the Levels app. It's a it's a small startup company called Levels and. They, they're basically a company that helps individuals monitor their glucose using continuous glucose monitoring or CGM. So this is, and there's several companies that do this. This is just the one that I, I use. So, but, but I'm not, I'm not a paid consultant or any, anything. I, I just uh, use their service and I, I pay for it. Uh, um, as for a certain monthly fee, I think it's, it's, um, Basically, to do this for a month, if you were to do it continuously, costs about two hundred dollars to to do these um, to have these devices, which lasts for ten days. Each one lasts for about ten days. So this is the main screen, and basically, what it shows is the glucose value. When uh, last night it has a little bedtime area here where you know, I went to bed, and then it just shows the glucose. Um, when I woke up the morning, in the morning, it, it got up at 6.30 this morning, a little sunrise icon there, had breakfast. Then I did actually eat some oatmeal uh, this morning and uh, had a little spike and then actually got a double double peak, uh, which was a little little bit unexpected. Usually I work out uh, in, in the morning, but I didn't, didn't this morning because we were going, uh, uh, going paddle boarding. So I worked out a little bit later but I ended up getting that double spike. I actually got a triple little, little, little hump after that. And um, then basically, as you can see, I, I didn't actually didn't log lunch, but I, I'll log my lunch here in a second. You can see how that works. So if you wanted to log a meal, you just hit the little plus sign and you can put in the food that you, that I ate. Say for example, I ate a, a zucchini, I ate zucchini for lunch and um, also um, some sardines. So we just, you just put the time in, I ate it. It's about, it was roughly, roughly 12.30. And ask you to pick the ingredients that you, that I ate in that. And basically it's looking, looking up the Looking that you can put the ingredients in, and then just, and then what it'll do is once you have this all, it'll calculate what's called a zone score. So it'll be able to so that this meal here you can see scored a six, and there's different there's there's different levels of uh, of the scores, and you can compare different meals. Um, so the in this case, so it's it's a score from basically one to ten with 10 being the best. And then uh, the level is, uh, this is like a, this did have a little bit of a rise in the glucose, but not not very big, about 20, 20 milligrams. 
you can also compare different different meals. You can pick pick different meals, search previous logs, and look at different different things. And you can kind of compare the, for example, the day I did eat, went, we went to an Italian restaurant, got some dessert, and so you can compare the, so you can see how the uh, the zucchini sardine did much better than than the than the dessert that I had ordered and the lasagna, obviously, which had a huge huge spike. Um, so you can show different, you can do some comparisons, kind of interesting, but uh, it lets you pick and record individual foods so you can keep a close eye on that. It, it also encourages proper exercise, at least 30 minutes a day of exercise, getting at least seven hours of sleep at night, which is important. And so it'll, it'll put here the, so it saw that I, I got seven hours of sleep. Um, and then if I, I did do, I did do exercise today. So you can actually log, can actually log that as well as you just log the, the activity. And I, I did uh, paddle boarding, paddle board, here it is. And we I did it today at um, 11 o'clock. And then to about, about one, one thirty. And you can then, then basically it'll, it'll account for that. If the exercise was strenuous, then it'll, it'll sometimes we'll see a glucose increase, a transient increase in, in the glucose with strenuous exercise. It's actually pretty, pretty normal. And then basically, basically you can look at your data uh, here and see the different meals, the different responses that, and then um, you can look at. So this first, so for today, um, my average glucose was 93. Standard deviation of the glucose values was 15. Ideals around 12, but 15 is not bad. I did have one glucose spike of an hour and 14 minutes. And it shows you what shows what I ate. Um, so that's the idea. It I I, I think it's um, it's a very interesting technology. It's uh, this has helped me to figure out what foods I should and shouldn't eat, um, and also have. Um, just some idea of what what the impact is. Abbas, do you have a question? No, um, no, I think this is fascinating. I think that's a that is a, a great thing to monitor and know what what you're eating. Sometimes we maybe a good discipline on the action of what you're eating. So that's 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 fascinating. I think, and you know, for most individuals, this is expensive to buy, but hopefully in the near future, this, as you said, become over the counter cheaper, and and hopefully with our Apple Watch, pretty soon we can monitor. Um, how you know as we do exercise and monitor our blood glucose. No, that's 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 great. Yeah, and this is something that doesn't need to be done on a on a very frequent basis. Um, for most for for most individuals, what I've heard is that um, about three to four weeks of monitoring, you can get a pretty good idea. And that I would I would agree with that. Pretty good idea of what. Um, what you're talking about three to four weeks a month or two to four weeks uh, total every, yeah total just yeah, being okay. able to get a sense so of what you're eating uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of I I just kind of a I'm a kind of a data nerd I just like looking at this stuff so I kind of I, I I've just enjoyed doing it just for really just kind of to see and then you can also you can you can gamify it a little bit too where you can uh, introduce for example if you eat something and then exercise 
you'll notice that that doesn't cause as much of a rise in the glucose. That's another, so a little trick that you can do to help uh, to uh, uh, just to avert or reduce the peak a little bit. Another little, a little, uh, little uh, trick that you can learn to do. And uh, yeah, there's something called the, the Hawthorne effect. So uh, that behavior changes when, when you're being watched. And so uh, that's, I think a little bit, a little bit of the Hawthorne effect here is that, you know, if, um, if you know your glucose is going to spike, well, maybe, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I won't eat that or I'll, I'll, I'll pick something different. For example, tomorrow, I mean, I probably won't, will not eat oatmeal for breakfast because I know that, that uh, today it caused a pretty big, pretty big rise. Uh, just some uh, general observations uh, that the um, it's uh, sleep definitely usually makes a huge difference. And, and the boss is going to talk a little bit about that later, but definitely if I, if I slept poorly, or very few hours, even three, four hours, glucose is high, about 10 to 20%. That makes, makes a huge difference. The uh, some, some foods that I thought were healthy, and I think are still healthy for most individuals, like oatmeal and rice, can be huge spikers. So just be aware of that. Oatmeal and rice, uh, for some individuals, and potato can be a huge spiker. And so that's something that I definitely learned when uh, when using this this technology. Also the timing of meals can be important. Uh, some individuals are more sensitive uh, for insulin sensitive in the morning. Some are more insulin sensitive in the evening. Most individuals are more sensitive in the morning. And so one other thing that I found was the, uh, that I, I have tended to eat very quickly. And that's something that I started doing during uh, my med school and residency is we just don't have that much time. We're just busy. And so we're just having to eat fast. I mean, within like minutes, sometimes lunch is, uh, you know, three, four minutes and just, you're just seeing patients, you're busy, you're just going. And so that's something that is not friendly. So eating fast is not glucose friendly for me. And so that's something that I did recognize with this. And so eating slowly, chewing one's food, putting the fork down between bites, and that just makes a huge difference. And I've had some meals where I've spent, you know, 30, 40 minutes eating, having this conversation with my wife or friends. And you'll notice that the glucose doesn't go up nearly as much, even with the same food. And so, so the rate of uh, eating can also make a, make a difference. So yeah, lots of little things like that. Exactly. I think um, it was a great conversation about how to measure the sugar, how to monitor it. And as it all comes to lifestyle. So the lifestyle, I think, um, as I uh, always mention to my patient, um, number one, of course, is stress. Um, the more you control your stress, as you says, you know, a lot of people have said they go to Europe and they eat a lot of food and they feel like the sugar is a lot more monitored than here. Again, taking time, chewing the food, selecting the food, how fresh it is, and enjoying the meals. That, that's one thing. Exercise is very, very interesting that if you just, and I always recommend to most of my patients, at least in the evening or not every day, go for, for a walk, even 10 minutes walk um, after the meals will decrease your sugar by 12%. If you do moderate exercise for half an hour a day, that will reduce your sugar by 30%. So these are all interrelated with how what we do, you know, avoiding the sugary drinks and choosing the right meal. And next time we're going to talk uh, about many different food um, with the glycemic effects, so so then we can choose our food uh, properly. But in general, um, 
I think uh, now we know the history of the sugar. Now we know how how um, we measure it, um, and the effect um, uh, are tremendously from hydration uh, with adequate water, um, sleep um, adequately, um, taking time during the, the meals, exercising, and all of these things will um, affect. Uh, uh, our uh, blood glucose and uh, and that will prevent many diseases as we discussed uh, from the obesity to um, to hypertension fatty livers another thing i think is for me is very very important following the circadian rhythm the the as many this diet uh, um or fasting uh, mimic diet or fasting is the evening meals i think the evening meals should be again the smallest meals since we do not sleep and we if we eat so much, particularly within a few hours of uh, meals, um, we get acid reflux, and consequently, we don't get a good night's sleep, and consequently, the sugar will be elevated, and then people, they don't feel have a good breakfast. So so I think some behavioral modification and lifestyle modification will uh, uh, help us. And then on the next episode, we'll discuss individual meals with uh, the glycemic effect, and hopefully that will help you to monitor your sugar and uh, as well as uh, better living. And I think we should also delve into that circadian rhythm a little bit. It's a modern modern lifestyle and those big dinners has become a, a, a normal Enemy part. Life. It, yeah. yeah, it's just every day, everything is dinner, dinner, dinner. And um, those are most our calories. We're giving a huge um, you know, amount of calories right before bedtime and uh there's also alcohol there's desserts i mean there's it just the, the glucose load can be you know phenomenal yeah, yeah. It, it, especially if you're eating like you know italian food or something that has a huge amount of carbs and so it's uh yeah definitely as abbas said it's lifestyle choices and uh you know it's um uh, we, we have to, of course, live and we have, you know, we have dinner meetings and whatnot. Those are all things that we sometimes can't control, but we can choose what we eat and the amount that we eat. And so uh, my, for example, my wife and I have started taking, you know, eating half and bringing it home and having it for lunch the next day, because it, it is sometimes a huge portion. And just or going for a short walk after dinner, you know, it, it just makes so much sleep better, making make sure you know, you're more comfortable and, and then consequently, you know, you'll be, you know, you'll be better eating more breakfast. So, so we'll, we'll delve to this more in detail in uh, uh, the next few episodes. Great. Well, thanks everyone. If you liked the episode, please uh, leave drop us a comment, uh, drop us in, drop us an email. We'd love to hear your feedback and hit the, hit the like button if you liked the episode and uh, we will catch up with you in a few weeks with uh sugar part three, and we'll talk about the glycemic index of uh, several different types of foods and lots of uh, more, lots more info about, uh, about sugar. Thank, thanks, everyone. Thank you.